Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, hello everybody, welcome to History and Technicolor, and here is me, David, and here's me, Wolf. Excellent. So, today, we have got a dinger that is going to hum more than any dingers have hummed in your life. How much are the dingers going to hum? A lot. A lot. Very good. There's hyperbole for you. So, this time we're going to do Mary Queen of Scots. Now, you don't get just one movie, you get two whole movies for the price of one. What is the price? The price is that we had to watch... Two Two, that is true. Actually, movies. one had quite a lot of lip gloss, didn't it? And there is no price. Anyway, it's all free. And it's the exact same story in both. Exact same story. So, why am I proposing that we cover Mary, Queen of Scots? For that is why what are, are you proposing this, David? Glad you asked me that question. I've been wondering well, that. Well, let me tell you. Mainly, it's the history, Wolf. It's a fascinating story. I do a history of Scotland for paying members. Cheapest chips, it has to be said. Absolutely cheapest chips. I mean, you know, why wouldn't you be a paying member? Sorry, should I carry on? Yep. Which, as an Englishman, of course, doing a history of Scotland, is pretty much illegal. There was a chap actually in Scotland, Hugh, who spoke to one of his colleagues at work and said he was listening to a history of Scotland made by an Englishman, and you could hear the explosion from here. And I'm sure a little bit of brain spatter reached the shed. But anyway, I do that. We heard that yet another film has been created, didn't we? And, of course, it's now out, and we have watched. So that was a bit of a prompt, wasn't it? And there was quite a bit of... Um... Anger, maybe? Anger. Anger. There were certainly lots of thoughts and feelings being expressed for a fairly decent period of time in the run-up to this movie and during the release. There was. There was fear. There was fear in... um, So we wanted to engage with that. We wanted to engage with that fear that, oh, this is a terrible movie, being presented in a terrible time Mm -hmm. way. I remember seeing the 1971 version back when I was a nipper. 
Um, and I, I you saw a lot when you were in there. <laughs> I did, actually. It's true, actually. Sixth Form Film Club seems to figure very highly in my memory. Anyway, and there are certain scenes stuck in my mind. And look, here's an opportunity for us to have a different kind of podcast where we compare new and old. Quad, That's perfect. It's perfect. Quad erat demonstrat. So, we know we have to be brief, otherwise we'll die here. The historical story, Wolf. Because both films essentially tell the whole story and the same story. Mary, Queen of Scots. She is heir to the Scottish throne. Her dad, James V, died when she was but and a tiny little child, a few days old. Her mum is Mary of Guise because she is betrothed, is Mary, to the Dauphin of France. The Dauphin having nothing to do with sea life whatsoever, but being the heir to the throne of France. That's kind of by way of a joke. Wonderful joke. <laughs> um, and she's actually in France. She sent France to save them from the English who, who are furious about the fact that she's being married to, uh, into France. She is descended, as it would happen, by Margaret Tudor. Margaret Tudor is the sister of Henry VIII. Now, that means she's got a claim to the English throne because the Catholic rulers of Europe do not recognise any children of Henry VIII apart from his eldest daughter, Mary, also called Mary, sadly, who is also called Bloody Mary in our history. Henry VIII has three children, Edward VI, Bloody Mary, Princess Elizabeth. Uh, when Edward VI dies, Mary comes to the throne. When Mary, Bloody Mary, dies, the Catholic rulers of Europe say, right, the next there is not Elizabeth, it's Mary, Queen of Scots. She's the only legit one. So there is a real and genuine claim to the throne. Uh, and in fact, Mary, Queen of Scots, and her husband, Francis II, François, le deuxième de France, uh, actually quarter the arms of England with the arms of France. Okay, so, she marries the Dauphin. That would be great. They're, they're very much in love. Roughly how old was Mary, Queen of Scots, when Elizabeth takes the throne? Next time you have to ask a difficult question, I'll throw you out of the chair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> small. I'm just trying... I'm, I'm just not trying quite to sure. Small. But she definitely had been born I think before can... Elizabeth took to the throne. Oh, yes. Okay, that's Definitely, fine. yes, absolutely. Um, and if she'd been... She returns to Scotland, I believe, about the time Elizabeth becomes queen or just after. Oh, okay, so, okay. So she comes back to Scotland because her husband, François, le deuxième, uh, il est mort. Perfect again. Quel désespoir, eh? Eh? Come on. Anyway, um, so husband dies, she comes back to Scotland. Actually, she's thrown out of France, essentially. She's inconvenient, she's hanging around the place. Uh, there are other things going on that means the French don't really want her there anymore. So she comes back to France to become queen. And there she marries, eventually, after a bit of toing and froing, a Scottish lord, Henry Stuart. Lord Darnley, who it turns out has two main characteristics. First of all, he also has a claim to the throne, which is inconvenient to the throne of England. And secondly, he is a hideous worm. He is murdered in 1567. This looks very suspicious because it possibly, maybe it was Mary who had him killed when we had the whole business about the casket letters. Maybe it was uh, Lord Bothwell, her protector. Anyway, she then marries Lord Bothwell. This is a mistake because Lord Bothwell is A, very unpopular, and B, uh, is suspected of having killed Darnley. Uh, so, you know, that's not great. And she only marries him a few months later. There's a big matter of debate there. Did Bothwell actually abduct her and rape her and she then marry him just to preserve what was left of her honour? 
or what? So there's a big debate about that. So many historical debates about this. Anyway, Mary felt she had to go along with it. There is a civil war between the Scottish factions, mainly split along Protestant and Catholic lines, but there's a little bit of anti and pro-Mary going on to boot. Uh, Eventually, Mary and Bothwell are defeated. There's a lot of elision in that statement. Um, And Mary legs it. She decides that she will throw herself on the mercy of her sweet sister, Elizabeth. And there's a big exchange of letters between the two, which is fascinating. You know, she's mocked a little bit for having taken such an extraordinary risk and throwing herself on the mercy of a foreign monarch whose throne she has a claim to. You know, is that a good idea? Would it happen in Game of Thrones? I don't think so. On the other hand, actually, Elizabeth does, for several years, try to put her back on the throne. Something never appears in, in the films. Uh, so it's not a stupid move. Elizabeth knows that this is an anointed queen. An anointed queen doesn't happily kill another anointed queen for obvious reasons. Eventually, but Elizabeth locks her up and um, she's there for 19 years. And eventually, Mary, you know, why wouldn't you get involved in a plot? It's discovered because Walsingham had his fingers in the pile along and knew exactly what was going on. And she's executed. And throughout that history... The Protestant faction, led by William Cecil, is out to get Mary because they see her as the head of a Catholic plot and the Catholic opposition to Protestant England, you know, Spain, France, the world. So that is the story. And she dies with great dignity at Fothering Hay Castle, 1586, which you can go and visit. There's nothing but a mound there, but you can put your foot broadly on the place where she had her head chopped off. Lovely. Okay. I'll do that for my next holiday. So do it for your next holiday. Actually, it's lovely. There's a great pub there and really wide streets and this massive abbey. Which you, is sort of why do you like hub. wide streets, David? Well, it's just that it's a memory of a... Fotheringhay was once the centre of Yorkist power. Okay. And there's this massive royal castle. Now it's just, you know, a little side village. So you go into this little side village in pretty much the middle of nowhere and there's this whacking great big street. There's these fantastic stones in all the houses where the castle was ripped down and they use it to build their own houses. There's this enormous but truncated church which is, you know, that it would have been an amazing in a big city but it's in the middle of this little village. You know, it's incongruity. Very nice. Thank you. Very nice. Okay, so well, let's you, get back to it. You're beginning to regret asking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so... The thing about Mary, Queen of Scots, Wolf, if I may call you Wolf. May I call you Wolf? Yes. Yes, okay. So that is your name? That is my name, so you can call me it. A little like Diego. Uh, from now on, you shall be known as Diego. What, what is that from? What movie? Ice Age. Ice Age, well then. Uh, we talk about Ice Age too much. We do. Have a great quote from Ice Age? Nope. I don't eat junk food. <laughs> anyway, but um. David, you specifically you said, said... Get on with it, right. We have on. four hours of material, right. and now we're just talking uh, about Ice Age. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay. So there are so many fascinating historical themes around Mary and Elizabeth. There is the challenge of queenship. We haven't had queens for centuries. In fact, there's only one queen in England before it. Two. Queen Saxburger of Wessex, who rules for two years, and Empress Matilda, and she doesn't really become queen, actually. So suddenly, we've got three blessed queens. Yeah, suddenly we've got a Bloody Mary, who was not, you know, by Protestant standards, a great success. Um, you've got Mary, Queen of Scots, and you've got Prince, Queen Elizabeth. Whoa, what's going on here? Now, we don't know how to deal in a patriar- patriarchal world where the chain, a great chain of being is God, the king, the father, everybody else. They don't know how to deal with the queen who is in the wrong place. So, to that, so the contrast of the struggle between these two very different, both Fiercely talented and fiercely intelligent people, uh, but very different. Mary, extrovert, charismatic, brilliant, impulsive, passionate, 
Elizabeth calculating, careful, devious, hard-minded, though never as cold as she sometimes painted. But you've got these two amazing different different ways of tackling things, different characteristics. It's Protestant versus Catholic. It's Reformation time. Scotland is choosing Protestantism. Catholic Mary was a divisive figure in Scotland and her reputation is crucified by a Scottish historian called George Buchanan directly after her death. And he was her confidant, you know, and yet he crucifies her afterwards. Was James V Protestant? James V was Catholic, very okay. Catholic. The first Protestant ruler of Scotland is James VI, who will become James I of England. Okay, yes. Um, so she's a very divisive figure, you know, in Catholic Europe, uh, surprise, surprise, she was a hero on her death. Um, there's an England versus Scotland thing, you know, the claim to the throne thing we talked about. William Sasser is her relentless enemy. More recent historians have painted him as her nemesis. Much overblown, but widely accepted now. But when I get to it, we can debunk that a bit. Um, and here's another chance for the Scots to chalk up resentment on the death of Elizabeth, rather wiped up by the fact that James becomes king. At this time, there is what historians now call the Battle for Britain between a, a Scottish Franco world and an Anglo-Scottish world. And one thing that's missed from both the films is that struggle, that one of the reasons the Congregationist lords rebel against Ma Mary, Queen of Scots, is because they are trying to free themselves from what they see as undue dominance by the French, having just been a, through a regency of 20 years with Mary, Mary of Guise. Anyway, And finally, it's a story of women betrayed by men. The men in Mary's life after the Dauphin, François le Deuxième, de France. Wonderful. <clears throat> are pretty hideous. Don is an arrogant, useless and ambitious. Bothwell has probably raped her. Cecil in England wants her dead. Elizabeth is forced to give up any sexual life <coughs> to remain in control of her kingdom. You know, this is a, a story. So, one thing you're going to take from this. What is the one thing you're going to take from all of that? I don't know. There's a lot of plot. Oh, yes. There yes. is a lot of plot here, and any filmmaker is going to face that problem. Actually, I should say, by the way, that it's a Scottish historian, George Buchanan, who crucifies Mary's reputation. It's an English historian, William Camden, who then completely resuscitates it. So one something which we won't go into, which is equally fascinating, is the historiography of Mary, Queen of Scots, how her reputation changes over time, and how John Guy, who is the writer, who is the book on whom this 2018 film is based is incredibly pro-Mary you know it's almost as though she was his mum and she's and he's a very good historian so and that it, has changed the agenda about Mary I do think it is interesting that this is a history movie and we all just turn up knowing that it's a history movie but it's very specifically one historian's view yes John Guy yeah I think sometimes we like to think that we're just kind of it is a retelling of the same story but I think we have to recognize that each version we watch it's probably based off of one or two key figures on the the information. Yeah. And if it's if something is their interpretation, then it'll be carried forward into kind of standard historical understanding. That's, I mean, that's absolutely right. And one of the reasons we thought the comparison would be fun between the two movies, because the 71 movie, director Charles Jarrett, writer John Hales, neither of whom I've ever heard of, a music done by a bloke called John Barry, who I'm supposed to revere, well, you say, you've never, say you say you've never heard of them. Never did, have you? But it's the same writer and director of Anne of a Thousand Days. No. Well, stop this and let's watch Anne of a Thousand Days. I love that movie. Genevieve. I mean, you know, 
Sorry. No, we haven't watched it yet, so <laughs> I'll just go, yeah, yeah. Genevieve. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, she's very nice. Anyway, um, the 1971 movie then is based on the old historiography, which is not actually negative towards Mary in a way, but it does hold her responsible and accountable for her failure. And failure it is. Let's not get around it. They see her as impulsive as making very bad decisions, which, despite a hideously difficult situation, leads to her downfall. John Guy's interpretation is this is a woman betrayed and hunted by Cecil. And before we go into <clears> it, if we're if this is based off of John Guy's interpretation and yep. understanding his research, how does the historical community consider John Guy's they, ideas? They consider it very positively. Um but not entirely. So, for example, Jane Dawson, who wrote one of the most recent general surveys of Scotland in the period, um, she, Scottish historian based in Glasgow, she accepts, I think, a lot of the story about Cecil as her nemesis, but does not in any way absolve Mary from blame. There's one key thing which oddly doesn't appear in the movie, um, that when Darnley is killed, whether by Mary's orders or not, Mary's response is, is extraordinary. There is no period of mourning. She's married to Bothwell within months. Even if Bothwell abducted her, the fact that there was no period of mourning, she makes herself look guilty. There is a trial of Lord Bothwell afterwards, um, which, again, doesn't appear in any of the movies, in which it is quite clear that Mary intervenes and makes sure it's a whitewash. And it's very obvious to everybody. So that's an, just an example of, you know, Jane Dawson would hold her entirely responsible for that piece of idiocy, whereas, uh, you know, John Guy passes over it. Um, <clears throat> there are other bits. Okay. Where, but, but John Guy's story is, um, is much accepted. Yes, people don't think, oh, this is just pop history, it's rubbish. This is well-researched, really good history. You know, it's quite clearly moved the dial. Okay, so we can have some faith about yes, the, the book that the film is based on. Oh, John Guy's a again. fantastic historian. If you're any of his books, you should read. Actually, he's he's a you know A grade historian. He's not a pop. You know, he's not, not a B grade historian. He's not a B grade historian. No, but he's not a popular historian out to sell a story or a historian out to make his name. You know, this is it's, it's good stuff. Um, well, we're all out to make our name in life, aren't we? You know, that's our role to cut a path in life to let's, let's not go down this the, route uh, no okay um, what is life we're going to talk about Herodotus later as far as Herodotus can say yeah, that's what history is all about it's about your reputation anyway shall I stop now and carry on Let, let's move on swiftly because we have okay. a lot to cover okay so the 1971 uh, fantastic cast oh I love the cast you know it's like so this is the 1971, 1971 movie fantastic okay. cast all the people you'd expect Vanessa oh, did it Vanessa Vanessa Redgrave Glenda Jackson Timothy Dalton Nigel Davenport Trevor Howard Ian Holm Ian Holm do not forget Ian, Ian Holm. Holm yes a young Ian Holm being a doctor again isn't he's, he? he's Rizzio. Oh, he's Rizzio. That's right. Okay, so he doesn't talk about... I, I didn't think Rizzio was a doctor. Good point, actually. Good point. He doesn't talk about the stool in any way, does he? Nope. No, yeah. But he is meant to be Italian, right? He's meant to be Italian, yes. Nice little Ian Holm. Mm. It's not nice. not noticeably Italian, is he? Anyway, uh, the 2018 film is out. Josie Rourke, who's known for her Shakespeare adaptations, is the uh, director. Never did it either. Well, it is her first film. Okay, it's her film then. There's a reason. Uh, Bo William... Yeah, I looked him up. It, he hasn't done that that much. Okay. And John Guy, based on the book by John Guy, as we've said. So, But the, the cast... The cast... 
Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse Ronan. What am I doing? What am I doing, Wolf? Saoirse Margot Ronan. Guy Pearce. Margot Robbie, yeah. Guy Pearce. Um, David Tennant, Doctor Who, yeah. Oh, I will talk about him in a minute. Um, and Martin Compston. Do you know what he was in? He's been in two things. No. He's been in Liam. He was Liam in Sweet 16. Ken Loach movie. Yeah. Very good movie, a bit heartrending. Um, but there'll be Ken Loach. At least the bird doesn't die. Um, and then the other one, uh, Line of Duty, uh, Steve Anson. Line East of Mids. Duty. Lead on Line of Duty. Uh, you know, it's a cop movie. Anyway. I'm rambling, aren't I? I need to yep. get on. Okay. Who was he in the film? In the film, he's Bothwell. Uh, oh, okay, yes. No, I know exactly who he is. Not terribly convincing, I don't think. But anyway, there we go. 1971 movie then. What did you think of the 1971 movie, Wolf? Can I call you Wolfie? Or would that be? I'm... So can I call you Wolfie? Yep. We're gonna... <laughs> I was Wolf earlier. I'm now Wolfie. <laughs> but it's like two sheds, isn't it? No, it's not that. It's another sketch. Anyway. So, what do you think of the 1971 movie, Wolfie? Um, I found it quite hard to sit through. Right. I think, as we've talked about, the plot is so dense. I personally think the 1971 version tries to go deeper into the complexity of the plot. Mm. There feels like there's more characters. Everybody looks the same again. Mm. I feel this is a common problem. She's got to be said, commonly, across the two movies, there's a lot of beard, isn't there? a lot of beard going on here. We spent the whole movie, you keep going, who's that? And I kept going, that's Bothwell. And then you go, five minutes later, who's that? And I'm like, it's Bothwell. Is it still Bothwell? Who's the actor? What's happened to oh, his beard? It's Nigel Davenport. Okay, right. ten minutes later. Who's that? It's, it's Bothwell. <laughs> As a result, partly because of your distractions and s- snoring occasionally, I... I did not snore. No, no, sorry. But you did fall asleep. I did fall it asleep. Was, Actually, you slept so softly, actually. The exact <laughs> opposite of snoring. So soft and gently you slept. Do you know, this is sounding slightly... I'm going to have to get a sick back again. <laughs> yes. oh. You should be worried. I was watching you sleep and not the movie. Um, I just felt that it was... Yes, actually, in... that does worry me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was of a time, which yeah. is not a negative criticism, yeah. but it's just something... It's very 70s. Yeah. It's... Um, quite overly dramatic in the delivery of every line of dialogue. There is that certain yes. theatrical production to it all. Lots of really good actors, and <clears throat> they're all kind of taking their turn to ham up the screen a little yeah. bit. Yeah, Vanessa Redgrave is definitely centre stage, but Mary is crying a lot, weeping, falling down, being pushed down. And it takes a really long time in the film before she starts to find strength mm. within what she's doing. She's quite passive and she's acted upon mm. heavily by everyone around her. And a key point that I notice is the film opens with, or as close to opens as possible, with the conspirators meeting with Cecil. So I think it's Mary Queen of Scots' brother is already in London yes. meeting Cecil and they're plotting out on the map what they're going to do when Mary arrives. That's an interesting touch to put in. It yeah. surprised me how quickly they go in on that angle. Yes. That's interesting, actually. They probably overdo that. Um, I thought Elizabeth was quite um, strong, mm-hmm. quite a powerful queen. Uh, they tried to humanise her a little bit, which was mm-hmm. nice. Uh, and there actually felt like a decent balance between the two queens. Yeah. 
there's yeah. more of a balance in the 1971 version switching between the two than there I is. I think that would be one. an interesting point of comparison, actually, to come to. Okay. What did you think? Well, I know I know I'm supposed to love and revere John Barry's movie. To be honest, it didn't strike me particularly here. Actually, I thought it was a bit flower, a bit romantic, and a bit me. But is that just me? No, no, that's fine. Yeah, I'm allowed to. Okay, that's good. I don't know why you hate John Barry. Well, so I don't much. hate John Barry. It's just that every time I mention John Barry, you swoon. You know, I mentioned him because you didn't know who he was, okay. and I was like, he did quite a lot yeah, of stuff. Yeah, he was whatever. pretty good. Whatever. It's an age as well where Mary is I'm going to buy you a John Barry record for Christmas. <laughs> where Mary is wearing lip gloss. So I agreeing with that thing about yours. So it's terribly 70s, and, you know, you, can't, you couldn't get through the 70s without wearing lip gloss, could you? Um, is that true? I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. Um, you lived through it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I didn't wear lip gloss. They rush through the plot. There's lots of rushing. There's one very funny bit where, because um, it, sometimes it's ridiculous. In prison for 20 years, we get we jump the prison, as we do in the other movie, actually, and Mary asks at the end what's happened to Bothwell that she loved. That's the way it's put in this movie. And she gets re- the reply, oh, he went insane and died alone in a Danish prison. So, you know, <laughs> just... You know, <laughs> Good times. Don't sugar the pill for me. You know, they just rush to get through it. A lot of having act, totally agree. There's one Monty Python bit, which is lovely. When she arrives in Leith, she's accurate, John Knox appears with his legions and he starts lecturing her from the hill and it's just like Tim the Enchanter in Monty Python and the the rabbit and the Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch. Yep. Should we do the Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch sketch just quickly? No, you're right, no time. Shame. Dunn is over the, over the top, but fun. Timothy Dalton, very good. He's a real nutter and loser, and it's hard to, you know, it's hard to argue with that anyway. Glenda Jackson, I thought, was brilliant, as you say. Ruthless, hard, clever, but also vulnerable. Worried about Mary, as she's so pretty. Cecil, solid. Fine. So I agree with that. I felt like I was watching a history movie rather than a movie. I do feel, in the 1971 version, mm-hmm. Elizabeth is fairly warmongering. There's quite yes. a lot of... Like, quite early on, she'll make these declarations... If so and so happens, this is an yeah, act she's of in control. war. Yeah, and she very seems to, she seems to openly acknowledge what Cecil is going to do, even if she says she's going to turn a blind yeah. eye to it. And this is one of the weaknesses of John Guy's argument. He builds this picture of that it's Cecil, it's Cecil, it's Cecil. Elizabeth is always in control. The reason they don't meet in life is not because Cecil stops her; it's because Elizabeth doesn't want to uh, doesn't want to go at the time she gets uh, smallpox, and she doesn't decide she doesn't want to meet her. Anyway, so I think we're agreed. We're broadly in line that the 1971 movie, perfectly decent, but it's a history movie and it drags a bit. The presentation of Bothwell in the 1971 version Mm. will be really interesting to compare to this version. He's a romantic hero in... uh, Or it's a romance, anyway, in the 1971 movie, isn't it, between Bothwell and uh, Queenie, isn't it? Yeah, she definitely... It it seems like they're actually building him up as a romantic lead throughout the movie as her supporter. Yeah. That he's really close to her, trying to protect her throughout. Yeah. So then when Darnley's out of the picture, it just makes sense that they can now be together. Yeah. And then there's obviously the scene where they're both trapped in the castle, and they've come for them, and they each take it in turns to try and save the other. That's interesting, actually, because in the 2018 movie, actually you're a bit confused about what Bothwell does, or I was. The real story is is around Bothwell's trial and the fact that he's he's been whitewashed and he's a little bit desperate you don't really understand because you don't have the trial and there's no alternative model the only one in 2018 movie all you have is the idea that it's just another lust for power thing in some obscure way and you don't understand why suddenly Bothwell has changed sides you know there he was supporting the queen supporting the queen supporting the queen suddenly he's not supporting the queen what went on there do you know what I mean 
I guess, but when we come to it, I think the suggestion in the 2018 version is that it doesn't need to go into the details mm. because Bothwell is just another man like every other one in the world <clears throat> and in the movie. I suppose that is the, uh, uh, that is the way you're supposed to read it. And, and they, they openly say lines that deliver that kind of... Right, kind of message. Which would figure with the main message of the movie, yeah. Okay. Okay, but let's get on to the 2018 movie then. Okay, so what did you think of the 2018 movie? Okay, I went in, a little bit of trepidation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why were you trepidatious? Is that a word? I would say... I don't know. I would say that the reviews weren't exciting me. I would say that the general anticipation for the film... Mm was uh, a little bit low. I kind of just thought that I was going to get a really standard historical What What was, the, what was the phrase? You, what were you afraid of? If you used the phrase last night, it's quite fun. To break heart. To do oh, I see. Yeah. Yes, thank what you, was David. The, what, was the, what did you think it might be? Line! <laughs> um, <laughs> I, fi- uh, I thought that I was going to... Actually, no, it came up because of the scenery. Did it? There's so many, there's so many great like Scottish landscapes yeah. and panoramas that they reminded me of Braveheart uh-huh. and our discussions, and I said the joke, is this going to give us Braveheart 2, Brave Harder? Hey, it's a great line. Woo! It doesn't feel as good now I'm saying it to no, everyone. You kind of hmm. built it up a little bit. Anyway, You built delivery. it up, David. Yeah, but it's your delivery. Anyway, my, Okay. My, my consensus is that I wasn't particularly excited for it, uh-huh. and nobody seemed particularly overly positive about it. They weren't really negative, but I just kind of thought that I was going to get a fairly mediocre film. It surprised me about how much I did enjoy it mm-hmm. and how much I understood the plot and followed it through because I was a little bit more lost in the 1971 version. Having read up on some of the history, then watched the 1971 version, it didn't really expand on the stuff that I'd read on and fill the picture in. I think this fills in the history a little bit better for me, gives me the context for it a little bit more. It's kind of easier to envision it all. I thought that Saoirse Ronan was really good. She's actually really good as Mary. And I think the portrayal of Mary is the best thing about the film. The the little details and the subtleties that they add into her character, the fact that she isn't completely passive for the first hour, almost from the get-go, she is confronted by hatred and bigotry, and she has to fight back against it. And you know that she's young. They definitely mm-hmm. show you that she's very young. And there are loads of scenes where she is clearly still like a teenager. Mm. But she has to stand up against these politicians mm. and leaders of the of the army who absolutely hate her for her religious beliefs and because she's a woman. And they don't think they should ever listen to anything she has to say. And they're all conspiring against mm. her. I thought her presence in the film was really good genuinely emotive Mm -hmm. it works and it really just helped secure me into the film the result is that elizabeth really could not be in the film Mm. as far as i'm concerned she doesn't i don't think she achieves that much by being in it i feel that she is to the wayside Mm -hmm. it's a decent little support and i think her elizabeth's presence in the story is really important and is vital to the themes messages of the film but that the actual presence of Margot Robbie as Elizabeth doesn't add too much to that. I can kind of understand the themes and discussions, even if she didn't really appear. Yeah. I thought Guy Pearce was not as scary as I predicted. No. 
Cecil was weirdly... Avuncular. Remember we had the argument about in the Elizabeth movie and you said, oh, was Cecil as a nice and avuncular? And I said, no, he was hard as nails. And this movie, he almost was. He wasn't quite avuncular, but he was much further that direction, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he was... He was <clears throat> Considering it's Guy Pearce, who can be very evil, I thought he was really way too nice... And they didn't show him... By the way, Guy Pearce speaks very highly of you. I, I've met him once. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> did he so, say I guess he remembers Did he say, me. you're evil? No, he's a lovely man. Okay. Um, not, e- not evil, then, not face of evil. No. On reflection. But my point being is that I thought I was going to guess a completely different version of Cecil compared to yeah. Richard Attenborough playing him. So did I. And we don't really get that much different diversion, so that was a slight surprise. I thought that David Tennant was quite enjoyable as John Knox. And I actually thought that John Knox had more presence in this movie than in the other one. Yes, he wasn't Tim the Enchanter, was he? Which helped. No, and they seemed to keep... Um, they, they showed his influence by keep going back to him every now and then uh, with the bigger crowds and everything. And I thought that was quite an interesting little touch. I don't think I like the the editing between Scotland and England. Right. You know where randomly... You'll be watching Mary for, for five minutes right. straight and then there'll just be like one single cut of Elizabeth in almost the same place, doing right. the same thing, and then it goes back just to remind you that they're like parallels. Right. I thought sometimes that was really clunky right? and a little bit on the nose, and I didn't like the opening where it begins, because it's not a spoiler, yeah. it begins with her death yeah. scene for one minute. Hang on, she dies? Yeah, it, be- it begins with her being taken out to yeah, be indeed, yeah. beheaded, then it cuts back in time to the beginning. I just... In any movie, that's pretty lazy. But in this movie, it just doesn't have any purpose. We're not being given a little bit of information now. It's not Citizen Kane where we're like, what's Rosebud for the whole movie? We know that she's going to die. So showing us that and then cutting back to the beginning, it doesn't really create any narrative tension or anything interesting. And I feel that all it does is add an extra minute of running time that it doesn't need. Because you see the scene again later on. True. Interesting, yeah. So you liked it, in essence. With, yeah, I'm with, complaining. With some qualifications. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it. I thought I enjoyed it much more than I thought. Okay. I know Jane thought it was boring, but yeah, I I wasn't I wasn't too bored. I, I approve of the film mm-hmm. and its approach, even if it doesn't quite pay off. Okay, so for me, I think I'm in broad agreement with that. The colours were bright. The colours were great. I thought the set, settings were magnificent. Although they tended to be medieval again rather than Renaissance. Interesting enough, which is the same criticism levelled at the film Elizabeth. Carlisle Castle. Well, it was absolutely medieval. Um, and, you know, it's stone medieval walls rather than tapestries and all the rest of it. And in a way, it it follows the old canard of presenting Scotland as a kind of poorer version of England, although that's, I'm sure they didn't intend that. But which is unfair because by then we've had many years of Renaissance monarchy. We've had the glory of James IV, Linlithgow, which many of the scenes were shot at, incidentally. You know, it was a truly magnificent Renaissance palace. Well, the shed they go to in England mm. is almost nicer than any of the castles in Scotland. <laughs> yeah, that was a great barn as well. Anyway, um, so the colours were great and the set, I mean, the clothes were not very historical, but I loved them. I thought they were brilliant. I absolutely agree about Saoirse Ronan. She was great, wasn't she? She was really good and really powerful from the beginning and much more like Mary Queen of Scots would have been, in my view. Mary Queen of Scots does a, goes back to the old tradition of Scottish monarchy where you travelled around the regions, saw the people and your great lords, and you left the management of the regions to your great lords. And it was all about presence and the uh, kingship that brought everybody together to create 
the Scottish people. And she was like that. She went round, um, and people loved her. They absolutely loved her. The scenes really. where she's riding her horse into yeah. into action, or just at the at the, at the start of the the procession, yeah. wherever they're going, really good. Really good. And accurate. Apparently, she did sit uh, straight over the horse rather than side saddle. Uh, the set piece is really good. I loved her in a council, you know, with all the men sitting around being bastards and her dominating the proceedings. The thing I looked forward to most of everything before was, as soon as I heard David Tennant was going to be Knox, I thought, he's going to murder Knox. He's going to be brilliant at Knox. Um, and he was very good. And he, best of all, he didn't caricature him. John Knox, such an important figure in Scottish history and made such change, much of it positive, but of course he's now a very difficult figure to like because... Our mores have changed so much from that time. You know, the, his very Calvinistic religion, his book, you know, the first blast of the trumpet against the monstrous regiment of women, you know, completely against what we like now. But he's it's still, in Scottish history, very important figure and now very contentious. He did him really well. Yeah, he's very he didn't make him. Yeah, he didn't make him look like a buffoon. And the temptation to make him look like a buffoon must have been amazing. He was frightening. He was frightening. But also, he was sincere. We take it as frightening now because we disagree so much. But then, he was compelling, charismatic, and people believed him. And what's important is, you can tell in the movie that if you are Protestant, you believe what he's saying. He's speaking to you. I know we're meant to think that, obviously, they're making up lies to spread hate and fear to get rid of her, which is plausible. But in terms of the Protestant belief, Mm. he is just... Preaching what they Yeah, I didn't get that he was making up lies because he is, that is what he, they believed. That is the main argument. So he, she is a woman, therefore it is unnatural for her to be in the position she's in. Okay, but I'll, I'll, I mm. believe in the film. So he's obviously having the meetings with the various lords, yeah. including Mary's half-brother. Yeah. They go to Bothwell and they say, Bothwell, you should go marry the Queen. Mm. I, it's clearly all a plot. So, they're suggest- so they make Bothwell marry her, and then as soon as she's married him, that's when John Knox acts. It's mm. all planned. I think John right. sits with them. I think the suggestion in this film is that John plans with them and is like, we need to get rid of her, but we, we can't yet. Yeah. She's too light. I don't disagree. What I'm saying is I think when he's preaching, you could make John Knox you know, a rabid caricature of what he was actually yes, like. Yes. As far as I saw, he speaks, he believes what he says, and the crowd around him believes what he says. Yes. I think what's really interesting is he, he acts a little bit like a modern politician now mm. in terms of how he knows knows how to use how to rhetoric the media, and then how to play the chess game yeah. behind the scenes yeah. so that the people don't know what's happening mm. and he can mo- manoeuvre things into such a place that then his his preachings mm. have more resonance have an effect, yeah. and to a larger audience. Okay, so I thought he was really good, David Tennant, uh, but then he always is. Some of the actors are not quite so strong, so as I said, I, I can't think of Martin Compton as anything other than, than Liam, unfortunately. I don't think he carried Bothwell that, that well. There was quite a lot of graphic sex. It made me very thankful that I'm an inflexible kind of guy, uh, Wolf, you know, physically speaking. I, I don't know where this is going. There was lots of graphic sex. I'm an inflexible kind of guy. <laughs> but what I was going to say You're is... fidgeting in your seat a lot, David. <laughs> well, you know, you're fidgeting a lot too, as it happens, uh, understandably. Uh, so I'm never likely to see my own backside. And that's a good thing. As far as I'm concerned, the male bottom is an unattractive piece of furniture, Wolf, and it's best kept tidied away. But, but, look, it, but it has a purpose. It has a purpose, yeah. Absolutely, it has a purpose. Totally agree. In each of the three occasions, one is to show why she falls for Darnley. 
Yes. The second one... The second one's fascinating. Because yeah. I assumed in every other version that's ever happened, Darnley comes in drunk and he yeah. forces himself upon Mary and he's this horrible worm, as you've said. Yeah. And Mary is this victim. Yeah. She is takes all the power. Absolutely, yeah. Now, I'm not saying that he is still a nice person in the scene... In fact, they end up managing to make it both, don't they? She takes control of the scene because she wants to have a child. So she wants she, a child. She makes she makes him have sex with her. But then when they actually have sex, he does it in a particularly unpleasant way. And I do think that's because they're <clears throat> choosing to really exactly. push totally agree, yeah. his yes. uh, bisexuality. Or even just... I thought they were doing it to push her controlling events, well, her not being a victim, her being an agent of events. I did just wonder about some of the way that oh, it physically it plays be. out. If, that, if that's should we not go into that anymore? But anyway, my point being, it was fascinating, <laughs> fascinating to watch her realise that she needs to act in a certain way. She's playing yeah. the game as same as everybody Absolutely, else. Yeah. In the other version, we always think she's she's foolish and she's idiotic and she's outmatched by all these people who are conspiring against her, which they are. But I think in this version, she holds her own almost the whole way through, and she consistently beats them. She consistently stops all attempts to depose her. Yeah. And this is one example. She ends up with a husband who's, um, go, yeah. you know, might not give her an heir, and that's what she needs. So he's yeah, having these other relationships. Him, and then she kids him, and then in the end, yeah. once she's got what she wants, she dumps him. And, it, you and know. the really great scene where she lures him in yeah. to take her away from Indeed. the castle, and he's like... We're such a perfect family. Yeah. And she's like, I love you. Yeah. And then they leave. And then she's like, right, right. don't fight this. You're going into jail. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, what? And she's like, sorry, I've tricked you. Like, she's ruthless yeah. in her her relationship with yeah, Darnley, which I think is fascinating. Yeah, which is great. And, and then in the third scene, yes. it's haunting. Yeah. It's, it's similar in some ways, but... They really go in... in the, because the 1971 version, Bothwell's so nice and romantic. Yeah. It feels like it's kind of meant to happen. Yeah. In this, the coldness and yes. the disconnect from everything... It is that story that she does it because she feels she has no choice and this is the only way for her to retain any freedom of action. Yeah, so I think a nasty act being a little bit graphic is vital to conveying everything we I'm need I'm not to complaining about the graphic sex. Let me... Yeah, I think it is. As you say, all I'm done. all on board for graphic sex. <laughs> David Crowther, 2019. Uh, no, it's all done for a, for a purpose. I, I absolutely agree. So, for me, the time passed pleasantly enough. What I, before, what I was worried about before the movie was that it was going to be, as you say exactly, it was going to be Bravehearter. Um, but it, all, it wasn't, and as soon as I knew that, I relaxed into it. I thought some really good things. They still had one big enemy, too much plot. They cut and they cut, and I could see them cutting. A whole lot of stuff got left out. Nonetheless, there was still a lot of talking, and at some points it did get a bit dull for me. There was a little genuine feeling about most of the characters, except for Mary and Elizabeth to a degree. There was one little bit where she has a scene with Jimmy, with James, her, her brother, but then they kind of lost that. It took a long time to come, and they kind of lost I hated James's hair. Hate James. James. His hair seemed way too modern. Way too modern. Yes, I totally agree. It really. Yeah, that was really annoying. All the time. Indeed, and um, uh, Martin Compson. You know, just can't grow beards. I'm sorry. So I never really cared about anybody except for Mary and Elizabeth. But you at least knew who they were when they were on screen. It was they. They cut and they cut, and that was that was exactly the right thing to do. I think I probably liked it less than you, but I liked it well enough. It's stuff full of modern themes. Okay. 
which were it's very modern i don't which was mm, i was ambivalent about it so there's bisexuality cross-dressing and then there's mary's sweet tolerance you know so there's rizzio dancing in his dress and there's mary and what so what it does is build mary up into this kind of image of perfection you know she's tolerant about everything which is not a story without foundation she's very tolerant about religion in, in reality so that's there and of course that i don't know whether we talk about the historical accuracy or now probably historic inaccuracy well they go they go completely in on her religious tolerance 10 minutes into the film yeah she gives that speech where she declares that anyone can essentially follow whatever religion yeah, they want which she does yeah. she doesn't object i felt that was more forefront in this film than the other yes and I just think that's a really important point to put forward. Yes, it's true that her. in the other film there's much more about Catholicism. It yeah. makes her the, their their hatred of her seem even more ridiculous when right from the beginning yeah. she's like, "Oh, you can be whatever yeah. religion you want." And there's and they're like, "Well, we got to kill you," and she's like, yeah. "What?" Yeah, the, which is in a sense also a problem in the framing of the movie because what this is is hagiography, of course, as we'll talk about. It's not. It's not. It's not. You're not developing a proper character. You're developing a saint. Um, and therefore, you wonder why it never really explains. Because the French aren't there, uh, and because Catholicism isn't really there. Well, where's what's the grit here? And then it, so it's all this story about just men just being thoroughly rotten, and that makes you not care about the men. I think it loses force thereby. Okay, I think that's I think that is valid. So, what is the film about, Wolf? It's about the impossibility of of being a woman but specifically being a queen. Because I think that we would be it would be ridiculous of us to think that women didn't face the exact same problems if they weren't queen mm. at this time. And it's definitely a reflection upon current times. Well, I don't think that's true. I think it may be a reflection on current times, but I think it's, the queen is an exceptional situation because here women are stepping outside of the accepted order of things. Whether the accepted order of things was liked or not liked by individuals here and there is, is irrelevant. The point is nobody had never had to deal with queens before. Suddenly the great chain of being was perverted and nobody knows what to do. So it is, I don't think it's... But, but do you not think that it go, this would represent any woman who chose not to yes, indeed. fit in indeed. this box that was forced for her? Yes, indeed. There's the line, I will not be owned by a man. Yeah. So... Yeah, I think the movie can make us think that it's really... Oh, everyone else is kind of okay, but it's just because Mary and Elizabeth mm. are actually queen. But it is about... I mean, we think we're arguing about nothing, but it is about exceptionalism. Yeah. So it's not about daily life, in fact. Um, it is about what happens when the rules are broken or when the, everyone doesn't conform yes. to the rules. And I think basically just my point was she can never win. Yeah. Everyone is against her indeed. at all times. And indeed, neither... Regardless Ma of how good she yeah. acts. She and indeed, neither Mary nor... Elizabeth can win. Elizabeth has to pervert they both her lose. desires, indeed, in order to survive. Mary is not is not prepared to pervert her desires, and yet she still loses. Is James the sixth or James the first a good king? Yeah, that's she. He's okay, well, I guess that got good out. points, bad points. So yes, I agree. It's about, I think it's about two things. One, it's about it's mainly about that. It is also hagiography, as I say. So you know what's going to happen when you see that first scene right at the beginning, and Mary comes to the block as though she was has, not a day has passed. You know what's happening here, whereas Elizabeth is pitted and scarred. This is about, this is Mary's story. That's fair enough. It's called Mary, Queen of Scots, not Elizabeth. But it, this is, it's building her up to be as good as you can paint her. For me, there's a betrayal 
at the heart of the film, which is, relates to what we're talking about. They cannot resist making one of these two a loser. They have to have a winner. Why can you not have two strong monarchs, which is the real story? The real story here is that you have two very strong monarchs. So my, my, the worst scene in the whole thing was where Elizabeth is making, making those rose things. And it's completely out of character with everything you've seen before. It's as though a switch is pressed. They're building up this picture of Elizabeth who's working with Cecil. There's a bit of sympathy between them, actually. There's even a couple of nice lines on the top of Hardwick Hall where they, they share a bit of sympathy with each other. And then suddenly, they turn Elizabeth into a loser. She sits, she absolves herself. She says, I'm not going to come and do my job. I'm just going to sit here making these silly rose petals because I'm so upset with everything. Elizabeth never had done that. Why do you have to do that? It's a betrayal of her. So rather than these two people with their different, both strong, both charismatic, with their two different solutions to this insoluble problem and how that is resolved, you have to have one vanquishing the other. I think that's a betrayal of the theme of the movie. I rest. I would discuss. agree. I would agree. Well, come on, argue with me. Well, <laughs> no, I, I agree in the sense that I, there are times when I think Elizabeth is better than you're saying. There are mm. times when she is more interesting and complex and we are being shown perhaps a side of Elizabeth that we've maybe not seen before in a film. Yeah. I would go so far as to say that it is entering some new territory in that. It definitely humanises her a lot. Yeah. So you know how you talk? we talked about when we watched Elizabeth, uh, like the Gloriana moment at the yeah. end, it kind of moves forward through that and shows what is kind of happening to her in her later years as she kind of registers that she's losing power and mm. or will not have an heir. So mm. her life and her reign... And everything she has is finite. Mm. Um, and then obviously her health conditions, etc. They all kind of conspire. I think there are some really interesting things that she does. But 50% of her scenes are either pointless because they're just kind of shoehorned in. So she usually isn't mm. given much time. Or they make her too weak. Mm. The, the suggestion that she's almost losing her mind at points mm. is odd. <clears throat> yeah. The, the, com the comparisons to Queen Anne yeah. and the favourite increase as the movie goes on, and I don't think that that should be happening. Yeah, I, I agree. So we're in agreement, broadly speaking. Yes, I think that I think it's really interesting, but I think that I, if I'm honest, where the movie yeah. fails is with Elizabeth. Yeah, because she can't match Mary. Because yeah. I think Mary's portrayal is brilliant, mm. absolutely fantastic. If if Elizabeth could balance that, yeah. It would be really good. But Elizabeth can't keep up. That she's knocked yeah. down too much. And actually, the, the scene in the... The silly scene where they meet, and I don't object to them meeting, and we get that out of the way right at the beginning, of course they should meet. You know, what dramatist could possibly resist? And actually, it's just a dramatic... They correspond constantly. Interestingly, in the correspondence, though, Mary is very forthright with Elizabeth and doesn't concede an inch, which is great. But she's, when she's, it's being proposed that she is tried... Uh, around about these casket letters, she writes a letter saying, "You're you're trying to make me out to be fair, and I will not go along with this." Great, you know, it's firm, strong, all the rest of it. In the film, they have to say, have her saying something stupid by saying, "I am your superior." She was never stupid enough to say that. You know, it's it, it's a piece of silly dramatization for me, which actually make, makes Mary look more stupid than she was, and is all in an attempt to sell this message that one has to be superior to the other. Anyway, that's fine. I thought that was a silly scene because all the bloody linen, what the hell were they doing yeah, that? crying at that? Yeah, it was... <laughs> I mean, you know, you have your one set piece and you're doing something... Also, like I kept thinking, you know? 
Okay, so Mary and Elizabeth can't make their way to the linen, yes. but Elizabeth's uh, Elizabeth's um, handmaiden uh, can just walk past the. Yeah. There's one Indeed. curtain. Honestly, I thought it was a really small barn, and there's one curtain in the yeah. middle. But at the end, at the end, of course, is Mary can sweep it all back, and all of a sudden, it's like a thousand oh, curtains. Yes, yeah, the imagery. Oh, yeah, it's stupid. Anyway, right. Look, we 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 continue to burble. So, okay, we've got to go on to history. In the 1971 movie, Cecil. Is, is painted as the, rel- the relentless pursuer, which is interesting because he's pre-Guy book. I think they make maybe too much of Mary's Catholicism, but it makes the, it more understandable why there's so much um, Barney going on. Darnley's excoriated as he should be. As we said, Bothwell's interpreted as a love match. Scottish lords are both unreliable and factional, which is kind of true. They paint Mary as guilty of Darnley's murder, which is interesting. As much The casket letters don't appear at all in the 2018 movie. Darnley and Rizzio are gay, so they go for this thing. We, you read to me that absurd statement by a historian who shall be remain nameless, but is in fact... No, I'm not going to say it. Who says, oh, it's definite. They were definitely gay, as clear evidence. There was one quote where Darnley is accused of being gay, and it's by a historian who's specifically looking to diss Darnley's character. There's no other reference to it. Both films go for it. Fine, whatever. But just don't pretend that it's historical truth, because it ain't. They unpick in the 71 movie Elizabeth's jealousy of Mary and Elizabeth's reluctance to kill a prince. Quite well, actually. It's very historical. There are some obvious inaccuracies, a lot of squishing in events, lots of elision, uh, but on a kind of acceptable dramatic, and you wish they'd done it more, actually. As we, we should know that Timothy Dalton is Darnley in the 1971 version, yeah. and he is completely evil. Yes. He's the, That's true. He's he is my- 100% unscrupulous and deserves to die. Yeah. In this movie, I actually thought Darnley was fairly well yeah, balanced. He's just a bit he's just weak and feeble and a bit pathetic, isn't he? And he has these these horrible streaks and he yeah. has these moments where he seems nicer than, than yeah. a lot of the others. And I, it was he's a, more of a character, yes, I it, agree. He was, was more built up than I thought. Which is good because you should have understood why she fell for him, isn't that that little bit of So in the twenty eighteen movie, so look, I'm gonna I said promised you I'd tell you there are many ways to lie in historical writing, okay? And I'm gonna tell you four of them. Okay. So, there's the straightforward fib. Just find any evidence you can muster, or even make it up if you can't, and see if you can make it stick. It's gone out of fashion a bit, but it used to be terribly popular. There's the polemic. You stack the evidence on one side and pretend the other stuff doesn't exist, or only select dodgy opposing evidence, which you know you can knock over really easily. So, it's polemic. There's the weasel. The weasel is probably the most fiendish one, actually, you have to look for most. So, you know the idea of a weasel? What a weasel is? I'm just thinking about uh, Winnie the Pooh and... Woozles? No. Have loves and woozles? It's not cute. Is it like that? No, no. It's deeply analytic. What you do is... <laughs> you put in a word that qualifies your statement, but doesn't actually detract from your main argument. So, for an example might be, you might say something like, Darnley was said at the time to be bisexual. Okay. You put enough of a qualifier in as a historian to distance yourself, but you've put it out there. You don't mention that the evidence is, you know, deeply biased and blah, blah, blah. So that's a very clever way. People... Historians say something. Some people have said. Indeed. And we're like, who's some people? Yeah. They don't then mention that, but it's complete bollocks, you know. Anyway. And then finally, the best and by far the cleverest is selection. This is the servant of Herodotus. You know, Herodotus, father of history. So, and he uses this beautifully. For him, he blends storytelling and history seamlessly. So you don't really know where one starts. But the easiest thing to do is to start inconvenient stuff. You just leave it out. Every historian has to select, so just leave it out. 
and you've got a, a leave it out. Leave it out, Gav. So you've got a better story. And we have all of those in this film. So, so many lies. France threw Mary out in the film. It suggests that you know it was all lovely and all the rest of it. She's so it should be known that we were in the cinema and. It, the movie opened and the first bit of text appears on the screen and David leads over and loudly goes, first bit of inaccuracy. <laughs> I actually thought the rest of the cinema was going to start clapping. Actually, I thought I whispered it really quietly. Um, your voice is still quite loud. Oh, okay. Mary was a broken woman when she died. She wasn't this you know, young, flighty thing. She'd been in prison for 20 years. Um, Although it, I do think that's an artistic absolutely. choice. Absolutely. You can see why they do it. And actually, I'm not saying any of these lies are necessarily bad. Don't get me wrong. And, and I will... Con- I, let me conclude before you argue with me on the historic inaccuracies. You want to speak, don't no, you? No, all I was going to say is I actually think that that scene is Elizabeth's perspective Could of well the be. scene. Indeed. Because they, they actually refer, they ref, do they talk refer about to that it directly. Bit. She's going to die yeah. as I picture her from her Indeed. portrait. Actually, you're right. They do do that. Uh, I've talked about Elizabeth and her roses, uh, giving up on the Fairs estate. She ever did that. Rizzi and his cross-dressing, and Mary's response to that cross-dressing. Cross-dressing was an offence against God in those days. Simple. It's not a Protestant thing. It's Catholics. It's a Christian thing. So polemics. Well, for example, Mary's complete exoneration from the murder of Darnley. The only evidence that is presented is on one side. The weasel. So the Darnley thing. Uh, you know, you say, oh, it said that he was bisexual. And then the selection. So one little-known fact about Mary is she signs an agreement with Francis of France, le dauphin, François le deuxième. Um, promising that if she dies before him, the rights to the throne of Scotland will go to him. So there's this big thing about Mary as, you know, this great fighting for Scotland, fighting her for her rights. She's happy to give them up. There's nothing of the defeat of Huntley and his execution. Huntley was a Catholic lord in the North East. It's actually very positive about Mary because she goes there and she has him executed because he is defying her will. She was a tough operator. She would kill people. She's not the sweet and lovely, I'm going to forgive everybody. But, you know, she was better than that. She had, did what she had to do. The absence of the Guise family and the French side of the story unbalances the story. It's all about England, Scotland. And actually, this is a three-way struggle for Britain. So, OK, that all sounds very negative. Um, I don't... It's not meant to be. What they've done, I think, is absolutely right. They have been far more selective. For dramatic reasons, the, the film is more effective than the 1971 one. But we just have to accept that there's quite a lot of fiction in a, a pretty realistic framework. I think the other thing we need to address is, even if we want more history, we also know that we don't in, in the film, because the yeah. film is already too long. Yeah, indeed. There's already too much plot. It's too dense. Yeah. You can't, can't convey words, all of that. And you can't do it with conviction and accuracy and entertainment. Yeah. And this movie does a pretty good balance. Many people still think it's a little bit too boring, a little bit too long. Yeah. So really, that it's, yeah. it's this is a really good story. It's just tough to condense it all Absolutely. convincingly into yeah. one format. I, I absolutely agree. So, you know, although I've said all that, I conclude, a bit like the Elizabeth movie, that, yeah, there are loads of inaccuracies, but you can understand why they've done it. And when somebody gives you a good enough reason I mean I still wish they'd explain at the end what they've done and why they've done it so that people don't go away thinking this is accurate history but even if you do go away thinking this is a real accurate history you haven't been abused too much no I did find it ends very suddenly considering that yeah they both missed she's 20 like, years out, they? well uh, better take her into prison and then oh dead dead actually in the 1971 movie they spend a few minutes trying 
to fill in her life. So she becomes very obsessed with her pets because it's, you know, the emotion, only emotional life she's got left. And they do show a little tiny second in the 1971 movie to try and get that idea across. And they do talk about Bothwell and, oh, no, he's dead and died alone in a Danish prison. Because we're not going to do it, but it's about but, the same amount of time, if not more, yeah. well, longer than she was in power. It's just that it's not very inspiring. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, why would we recommend anyone go and see this movie? I think people should go and watch the 2018 version because it's a really interesting interpretation, I think. Yeah. Obviously, if you can't stand any historical accuracy, inaccuracy at all, then don't go watch it. But then also don't go watch any movie. It's not the best thing in the world, so if you you miss it, I'm not going to be like, oh, you've really missed out on a great one. But I think it's really interesting. I think Saoirse Ronan as Mary is really good. The feeling of what it's like to be Elizabeth or Mary at this time is is very interesting, and I yeah. I praise its attempts and its motives and its goals. So I'm not going to praise its motives quite as strong as that because I do think it would be a far finer thing, a far far finer thing. It can, it can if be more balanced. You had a movie which didn't have to involve hagiography that could deal with the thorny sides of Mary. Because there's no doubt she made some bloody awful decisions um, and that she had a brutal side to her that this film does not show. So it's not that honest. I agree with you. Maybe they made the right dramatic decision, but I would still think there is a better movie to be made out there about Mary Queen. I think think in this movie, you do have to infer her mistakes. Mm. So when she leaves James... I don't think so. I think you you are... It is presented as everything is... The fault of the men around her, not because of what she does. See, I I did think from watching okay. this film that you do see that she is tricked by Darnley. Now I know she's tricked, she's but she tricked, yeah. she still she still makes an error in that, and to some extent, I felt anyway, right. and she recognizes that, which yeah. maybe just hardens her more. She has to be resilient in the face of this mistake. That she there's the Boswell incident, and she kind of because there are times when she's really overly almost cocky mm. about how great everything's going even though there's lots of terrible mm. things happening i do think she is her own undoing at times mm. in the way that she kind of carries on right. and the way that they talk about how she isn't aware that that rizzio is causing a problem for her image mm. like you say the the lack of mourning all of that kind of stuff it's possible that she just doesn't care about any of this stuff and I doesn't think, that's think about Right, I mean, okay, fair enough. I mean, I just don't think that's brought out. I think you're supposed to accept the Rizzo situation as being absolutely perfectly fine. It's just these unreasonable guys. When I was watching it, for example, when she leaves her baby and she just rides away, I was like, don't do that. Why would you do that? Why are you doing that? Why would the baby be, if you're going somewhere safe, why would the baby be safer where you're not? I mean, it's just lunatic. Anyway. And her sparing James, who and she consistently spares people who want to kill her, mm. and then they just come back. That's all of the, That's all about the modern stories, that we like victims these days. We don't like winners. I mean, that's all, as much part of the dishonesty bit, which I... The little core of dishonesty I dislike about it, that Mary has to be made strong agency, which is great, because that's, I think, the way she was, uh, but she's not allowed to make mistakes. Where things go wrong is because somebody else does something nasty. Real people make mistakes, and they have to own up to them and look them in the face. And she doesn't do that. I, I, yeah, I would agree that it does. It does hide that a little bit, which okay. is frustrating. But generally speaking, I would I agree with you, absolutely agree with you that this, the 
2018 is a much better film. It's much more vibrant. It's more yeah. realistic. They try and, as you say, make her real. See what it's like when she's having a baby and how she feels about that and how they both feels, feel about their futures. Um, you know, they're not cardboard cut-out political figures and they are still a bit in the first one. It's, it's the not, music's much better. It's not going to be the definitive version, but I, I maybe there isn't one. It's a more powerful version than the previous one or the 70 and if, you, if you're going to consider multiple interpretations then consider this one as yeah. well and you know having said that the 1971 has got some I think some stronger bits it's not a complete blur so for yep. me it treats its main characters with more respect than this one does at the end of the 1971 movie, Mary is an older, you know, downtrodden figure after 20 years in prison, and yet she does not concede an inch to Elizabeth. Elizabeth makes her an offer that you can all be okay if you just sign this admission, and Mary refuses to do, do so, and she goes and dies bravely and dies well and all the rest of it. By the way, the red dress is a bit of a fit because it's just a petticoat, not a dress, but anyway. So for me, the 1971 has that balance much better. Nonetheless, if I'd, I'd rather go and see the 2018 movie if I was going to get, watch another one. Yeah. So should we score it? Yes. So, 1971, quality as a movie, out of 10. Well, this is the answer that I was thinking about and considering writing down, and then I did see that it compares with you, so I'll go for it. You saw my marks. Oh, no, wait, no, maybe I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Confusing. Um, the 1971 yeah. version of the movie... I feel like maybe we've been too generous over time, so maybe I'm going to try and be a little bit harsh, perhaps. Okay. What are you going to go for? Four. <sighs> Ooh, that really is harsh. I mean, that's really a rubbish movie you really don't want to go near, isn't it? I did find it quite hard to watch. Right. I was going to go five. I would say four is pretty harsh. It's a perfectly decent movie. The time went well enough. It's dated a bit, is the thing. I can, I do want, if, some, if somebody liked it, I would understand kind yeah. of why they would, but mm. for me, it's just not. Okay. So, quality of the film, uh, 2018? Five. Oh, I was going for six, actually. So no, you're I'm... going four, five, whereas I'm going five, six. Yeah. Should we go four and a half, five and a half? Are we, if we do that, we're, we're, we're lost. Uh, we can argue about it in the pub later. So, uh, historical accuracy, 1971 movie. Uh, I, I defer to you on historical accuracy. Oh, I was going to go for eight, but I think maybe seven is a better score. Okay. Because it basically gets things right, takes more effort so to do. Historical accuracy of 2018? I, w I think I would have to say that it's got to be a relatively low score because Elizabeth just doesn't seem to be done in the right way. I, mean, yeah, okay. I, I would say her. she's the biggest failing of the movie. Mm. There are quite a few other inaccuracies as we go through. I, I kind of feel I should separate inaccuracies into two groups. One is the, the clip on the Roman helmet group, which is, oh, they've got, you know... Tiny matters of fact that actually, and there's a lot of those, and then the big interpretation ones. And actually, much as we like the movie dramatically because of it, so we like the fact that it's presented as yeah, you know, this the this feminist story. It's a compelling story. Um, in getting to that, there's a lot of truth in that. Actually, I'm not arguing about that, but they cast a lot of stuff out. Yeah. So, okay. So I'd say five. Right, I was going to go six again. So the theme of me being slightly nicer than you is re-established. But... Yeah, but then you know more than me, David. <laughs> this is why I didn't uh, want to pick. Okay, that's right. Uh, but look, we were in the same ballpark, he said. So basically what, I'm saying, what my feeling was that as a film, the 2018 film was better than the 1971. In terms of accuracy, 
1971 is slightly better than the Yeah, the 1971 really tries to go in for all the history, give yeah. you every character. Okay, I think we need to finish because we've been going for about mm, four days. So, that's it. So basically, we enjoyed it. We're going to do a little roundup about The Witch. We realise that we are a week ahead, so it'll be three weeks before the next thing that we do, which is going to be... Papillon. Papillon. Uh, and we're Papillon. Gonna... Papillon. Um, great so we're back in a tick after we've done the roundup. okay the witch well we sold you a bit of a dummy here didn't we dropped a shoulder gave a bit of a shimmy you know I don't think you all thought of it as an historical movie and so there was a fair degree of look it's a horror movie count me out Rowena along with her frankly heretical views on cheesecake spoke for quite a few of you with the view that horror just isn't on Jan and I, however, shared our love of frying tonight as the height of horror that we can manage. There were some of you who loved it, but by and large, it was a bit, you know, care. But the Facebook debate was also characterised by some thoroughly insightful comments which we really loved, along with a certain speculation about some personal relationships in the shed, which we'll just pass over. Dave said, It seems to me that the film captures the period remarkably and treats the Puritan view of the world with respect while doing it, which I absolutely agree with. Seriously, it's a great movie to really get that flavour. Tim, on the other hand, likes to live deliciously and drinks a cider called Black Phillip. Sometimes you get these insights about people in our group. Eric quite rightly admired the representation of the settler mindset, which I also loved. Bob brought up the environment thing, which was just brilliant in the movie. As a movie... Dave also pointed out the delightful ambiguity about the central character. Was she? Wasn't she? Did she? Didn't she? Lewis then made the fascinating point that maybe there is a tradition of representing the devil as a man, since we discussed why there seems to be no man in the final scenes of The Witch. Anyway, thank you for a stream of really interesting comments. For my part, if you want to get into the Puritan settler mindset, then watch the first half of the movie, then switch it off, make yourself a nice cup of tea and watch Love Story instead. Just a reminder, the next episode is in three weeks' time, February the 17th, and it's Papillon. And we are back to the old schedule then of fortnightly. We just thought we'd better get Mary Queen of Scots out a bit earlier before we missed all the fuss. Great. Thank you very much for me. And thank you all very much for listening. It's very kind of you indeed. I hope you enjoyed it. Do uh, rate us on iTunes. Get involved in the Facebook site because we really enjoy that when people say things. And yeah, thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you. Are you not entertained? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.